Well, it's great to be back here with you worshiping and uh, just uh, excited to be walking through the series with you. I know last week we were out in Haiti. I'll be I'll bring up a little bit of that later in the service, so I won't talk much about it here, but just awesome to see God moving down there in Haiti, and uh, man, huge things happening there, and, and uh, man, we're in a series here, and uh, so last week, Pastor Mark started walking through the second, uh, second week in this series, and uh, did a great job there. We appreciate Mark being able to carry the word and bring a challenge there, and and uh, all that he does for us here. And now as we're stepping into this week, we're into the kind of the second topic. And uh, the series is called Laying Hold. Laying Hold. Where did we get that from? Well, it's from a Warren Wearsby quote where he said, praying is not laying hold of God's reluctance, right, his unwillingness, but prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. See, all too often we look at prayer as this time where we need to somehow we call it storming the throne of grace or something, right? And, which is all fine. But then when we get there, we're like trying to badger God into giving us what we want, whether it's good for us or not, just do what I ask, please. And uh, so we're talking about laying hold of God's willingness in the midst of it. And so that's where the title came from, laying hold, okay? And, uh, but as we go after this aggressive prayer life where God is rocking our world, there's some things we're going to need to grab onto in our own life beginning to understand. And uh, for example, the last two weeks was laying hold of our weakness. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, your temptations, the sin you fall into, the words you use, the thoughts you have, the, the weaknesses that come up, the failure mechanisms that occur, the pain that you go through, let those drive you to your knees. Man, watch your prayer come on fire as every moment you taste of your weakness, your worship increases. I'm telling you, it is a huge deal for your personal prayer life. Let it be a recommendation to your soul, time for me to pray, right? And that's what we've been walking through the last two weeks, different ways to go about that and what that looks like and how we can make much of our God in the midst of our weakness. Today, we're looking at laying hold of the Holy Spirit, laying hold of the Holy Spirit. Yes, our weakness can talk to us about where we need to head, but the Holy Spirit and the power of God Almighty in our lives, man, that's what uh, true prayer is all about. And uh, laying hold of the Holy Spirit. And, um, so turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 16, starting in verse 4, as we learn to lay hold of the Spirit. And uh, what steps should we go through? Let me just say this before we get started, all right? The Holy Spirit, um, not, not it, but He. Okay, everybody say he. The Holy Spirit, he is the person of God as spirit. And he, he is the person of God. He thinks, he knows, he believes, he feels, he moves. The Holy Spirit, it is not it, it is he that we should be saying. He, this is super important that we grasp the person of the Holy Spirit. All right, everybody say he one more time. Super important, and I don't know what environment you grew up in and what you heard or didn't hear, but it can get easy to accidentally use this very impersonal pronoun, and all of a sudden we're not thinking of God as a person moving in our life, and it's a big mistake, all right? So he, what does it look like for us to respond to the person of the Holy Spirit? Point number one, uh, hear the Holy Spirit's conviction. Hear the Holy Spirit's conviction. And uh, 
So the Holy Spirit has some tasks and role. We're going to see it as we dive into this passage. And as we do, um, our job is to make sure we're listening, hearing, and understanding and responding to the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Jesus says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. I didn't say these things to you because I was with you. And uh, just remember, every time we jump into a passage of Scripture, super important that you figure out what the context is. Where are we? What's going on around it? What things are taking place? When he says, uh, I didn't say these things to you, what things? What is he talking about, these things? And if you go back to like uh, chapter 15, the middle of chapter 15, all the way up to the beginning of chapter 16, Jesus is telling them, look, there's some changes coming. I'm leaving. There's some big things happening. But here's the deal. You're going to be under pressure. There's going to be some huge stir that's occurring. There's going to be some struggle that you're going to go through, some persecution that's going to take place. Get ready. It's going to be a tougher time. And uh, you can only imagine what these guys were going through, right? you got to remember, these guys were looking at Jesus Christ, and they were like, this guy is Messiah. This is going to be unbelievable, right? As he starts leading and reigning and ruling, and who knows what it's going to be like. It's going to be stunning when, and then Jesus is like, I'm leaving. Can you imagine how it brings them down? Imagine what they're feeling in the moment of nervousness and fear and concern. And then he says, not only am I leaving, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be persecution. They're like, wow, this is just really a great message. Thanks for bringing it, Jesus, right? Can you imagine walking through this moment? We've got to make sure that we grasp what these guys are going through. Jesus is like, yeah, I didn't tell you those things from the beginning because I was with you. What does that mean? He's like, just so you understand, the Messiah is with you. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of learning from each other. It's time for you to learn from me. There's some things I was modeling and some things I was teaching and some things I was saying, and I wanted you to grasp those things, not the ones I just shared with you. And so as I was with you in the beginning and spending time with you and you were watching miracles and you were hearing my words and there was a beginning to convince you of who I am, that was the job at that time. Now, well, now there's something else going on, and I had to share these tough words with you. He says, but now I am going to him who sent me. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Everybody just say, that's God the Father. Really important that we get this. That's God the Father who sent Jesus Christ, and we're going to walk through that whole sent statement in just a little bit again here. But the Father sent the Son. And so Jesus Christ came into this world, sent by the Father with a plan. God the Father, God the Son in full agreement, and the Son sitting under the will of the Father. And the Father sent the Son. He's like, hey, I'm going back to the one who sent me, the Father. And he says, and none of you asks, where are you going? None of you asks, where are you going? And uh, he says, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. And you kind of have to hear this moment from Jesus as he's like, all right, guys, I just told you I'm taking off. And you're not even asking questions like, where? Like, to where are you going? No, 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 it's not about me at all, apparently. It's just all about you. Your heart is filled with sorrow, and you're sitting there all somber, and you don't even know where I'm going. You're hanging out with somebody you thought was so awesome, and he's like, hey, I'm taking off. And you're like, oh, bummer for me. And uh, this isn't really a good moment, and Jesus is kind of having one of those I'm not yelling at you, but I'm really hurt, man. 
And uh, this is for real. He's like, why aren't you asking me where I'm going? And uh, we do see Thomas asking questions, but he's like, how do we know the way? Notice it's still about him. And uh, so much of what these disciples were sharing out now was selfish feelings about the change in all that was coming. And Jesus is like, boy, man, it would have been nice if you could have cared a little for me here as I shared this. It's more than just about you. And uh, then he uses the word that I love, nevertheless. Nevertheless. What a great word, right? He's like, you guys are not really that good of friends, man. You're not even backing me. It's all about you and the pain you're going through. And really, in this moment, you're making some statements that really aren't that uplifting to me. And nevertheless, like, despite your bad actions, here's where I'm headed, okay? Nevertheless, it's a great word, man, nevertheless. Great word for parents. Hey, moms, when you're in the home during the day, right? What a word to be able to use. All right, that's it. Whatever y'all have been doing, I'm done with it. It's got to stop. You have been doing it wrong in so many ways. Nevertheless, right? It speaks to your in with it to do it right, even though they're doing it wrong. And uh, nevertheless, Jesus is like, I'm holding up my proper end of the bargain. Here we go. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. He's like, I just want you to know this is a super huge benefit to you that I am leaving. And so while you want to make it all about you, okay, let's talk about you for a little bit. Me leaving is actually a benefit to you. It's to your advantage because I'm going to be able to bring the Holy Spirit in. And uh, the Holy Spirit is going to come to you. In fact, it says he's called the helper. And when we call someone a helper, we call them a helper because they're going to help. We better get that square, man. The Holy Spirit is here to help. Do you live life that way? Do you live life where the one who is here to help you is literally walking through life with you and you're listening to him and allowing him to help? And well, how does he help? We're going to talk through that in the rest of this passage. He is the helper and he comes when... Jesus leaves. It says, but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is like, when I go, I'm going to send the Spirit. So get this now. The Father sent the Son, right? And Jesus said, I'm going back to the one who sent me. The Father sent the Son, and the Son sends the Spirit. The Godhead working together, these three persons, and the Holy Spirit, our helper here with us, because Jesus, the Son, sent him. And uh, it says, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he has some jobs to do. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Three things going on that the Holy Spirit is invested into. And uh, he's going to convict. What does that word mean? It means literally he uses words to speak to convince you of right? That's convicting. There's a, some sort of a talk, a whisper from the Spirit that's communicating with our soul and making things clear. That's convicting. There is a communicating going on. He is making something clear that we are to grasp. What are we to grasp? Three things, sin and righteousness and judgment. He convicts of sin. 
He convicts of what we're wrong for, where we're standing in error, where we've failed, where we've come up short before God. He convicts and he makes it clear that that needs to change. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. And praise God for it, man, as we have a press in from the Spirit to reveal to us the stuff that needs to go. He convicts of, yes, the things where we're wrong, but more than that, righteousness. He also convicts of what it should look like. If everything were going perfectly, what would that look like? Righteousness. So sin, it's our mistake, our shortcoming, our failure, where we're wrong and rebel before God. Righteousness, what it would look like if we were right with God and walking with him. Sin and righteousness. Righteousness is really the target, if you will, the goal, the what it would look like if we were allowing God to work in our lives. And he was doing us a huge miracle favor as he was perfecting in us. What would that righteousness look like? And then judgment. Judgment, the cost for the gap. Sin, we have missed it. Righteousness, this is what it should have been. Judgment, and this is the penalty. It says that he's coming into the world to convict the world of these things. He's convicting the whole world. It leaves us without excuse. He is making a statement to us, and he's like, I just want you to know and understand. Here's some truth about you and your heart. Here's some truth about what the ultimate goal really was and, and what the call out of righteousness, who God is. And here's the cost for missing that mark. That's what he's talking through. The Holy Spirit convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. And uh, now he goes into some detail. He says, uh, concerning sin, uh, because they do not believe me. Concerning sin, because they do not believe me, hear me. In the end, sin is always because of a lack of faith in God and lifting self up. Sin. He's like, you just need to know and understand that you're missing who I am. And in the midst of not believing in me, there's a faltering that takes place. Very specifically, this sin is actually the sin of unbelief in Jesus Christ, refusing to accept him as Savior. But it's way more than that. It's everything that our behavior is impacting impacted by with that. We follow through with selfish talk and selfish action all the time, men. And uh, sin, it's because we don't believe in him. And because of that, there's a challenge that goes down to the world from the Holy Spirit. And, and then the second one, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. Concerning righteousness, this end point, this target, this who is God and his character. And why does the Holy Spirit need to convict of that? Well, it says because I go to the Father. Let that settle. The reason the Spirit needs to show us what righteousness is is because Jesus is going to the Father. What is he saying? He's saying this. I'm the model for righteousness right now. You look at me and you see the plan. Man, the people around Jesus Christ were like, look at this guy. Look at the miracles he's doing. Look at the power of his prayer. Look at his perfection. Look at his actions. Listen to his words. Watch how he moves. This one is amazing. Jesus was the model of righteousness. And as he leaves, the word, Jesus Christ, who is the divine expression of God himself, right? The divine expression into this world. He's revealing righteousness when he goes back to the Father, how do we possibly know what righteousness is? He says, 
Well, that's what the Holy Spirit is going to convict you about righteousness for. He's going to reveal to you what it's all about. I love this too, by the way. The Father ends up providing the law where you end up getting some sort of uh, written statements about what is righteousness. The Son lives it out in front of you, and the Spirit now communicates back on all that. Man, the Godhead is fully involved in revealing righteousness to us. Super important that we grasp, God cares about righteousness. Really important we get it, okay? And uh, concerning righteousness, yeah, he's like, here's what the target looked like. And then he says, um, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Because the ruler of this world, Satan is called the God of this world. And then it says, is judged. That's in the passive form. It's happening to him. He's being judged. And so this is Satan sitting under. And we look and we see like, wow, the cost of the one who sits in rebellion against is judgment. And if I'm in sin and righteousness looks like this, how much more should I be expecting judgment on me? And the right answer to the conviction of the Holy Spirit out to the world is this statement. It's hopeless. I'm a sinner. I've missed out on righteousness and judgment is due me. And it's hopeless. And um, that is a correct position. Without Jesus Christ, it is hopeless. But with him, there is great hope. And he goes on to talk more about Christ in just a second. Man, the this point of, G, of the Holy Spirit coming into our life is to make clear, you cannot carry it on your own. You are in dire need. Here's where you're at. Here's where it should be. Here's the penalty. Hang on. We got an answer. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, man. And as the Holy Spirit convicts, there is fire that comes. There is passion that comes. There is hunger that comes. As we embrace what he's saying, hear the Holy Spirit convict. All right? Big deal. And uh, This past week, we were down in Haiti. We actually went down a week ago Friday, about 4 a.m., got up and caught the air flight and flew down there to Port-au-Prince. And, and the next morning, we went into um, Jacmel, Haiti. And we were there for the launch of uh, the new building for Harvest Bible Chapel, Jack Mel. So this church, you got to remember where this church came from. A couple years back, we were helping them plant. They were a church that had existed. They were much smaller. They were running about 150, 200-ish in adult count and, and uh, trying to figure out what to do. And they decided to work with Harvest Bible Chapel and the Harvest Fellowship. We got a chance to work with them and shape a little bit. And they started kind of picking up some of the DNA, the passion for worship declared in the service, huge impact worship going on and they went after that man God's been doing a huge work there over the last couple years and so in these two years we ended up seeing uh, the church grow in big ways they ended up having their launch for the brand new building on Sunday last week and that's what we were down there for so Steve McGinnis myself and Steve Belzer went down and a great opportunity to be down there and celebrate along with several harvests from several other places. So we had Canada represented and we had the U.S. represented and uh, some of Haiti represented as we were down there celebrating Jack Mel. And uh, man, the place just was on fire. Over 2,160 people showed up for this huge celebration. Amen to that, right? Amen. 
2,100 people from about 150 a couple years back. God is doing something in that place. Why? Because Pastor Abraham is opening up the word and he is walking through it just in expository fashion like we do, word by word, phrase by phrase, and he's making much of his God. He is teaching them to worship. Man, they are going on fire. There were people everywhere. The whole place was filled to the rim. There were 300 people out in the courtyard. They couldn't fit into the building because it was such a huge celebration. We ended up uh, um, being able to pray over some elders and install them so they now have their own eldership. They are completely independent, running on their own down there. We are super excited for them. And uh, God is doing a massive work. And I'm just telling you, when you let the Holy Spirit convict, when you let the Holy Spirit lead, when you long for him, when you pray for him to work in your life, when you make everything about going vertical, making much of Jesus Christ, man, God will light you on fire. And It's just amazing what God's been doing down there. And uh, some sweet pics that we had up there for you to see and uh, a ton more online all over the place if you want to look around for them. But it's been amazing to see what God's been doing down there. And uh, here's my question for you. Man, Harvest Bible Chapel Jack Mel is on fire. So how's your family doing? How's your family? Is your family on fire? Are you following after the Holy Spirit? Are you listening to the conviction of the Spirit? Are you understanding the sin you need to set down, the righteousness that it looks like to go after? Are you grasping there is no hope but in Jesus Christ? And are you making much of his name? Is your family on fire. And uh, maybe I'll even say it this way. How are you doing in parenting your kids? And to be careful, man, it's easy to parent our kids where we start trying to teach them what we want them to do, right? And we start telling them all the rights and wrongs of things. Do this, don't do this, it looks like this, not that. And what we're really doing is subtly teaching a form of perfectionism where the kids are driving for that righteousness, but the message in scripture is we don't have it. And all of God's people said, Dude, we don't have that righteousness, so let's be careful what message we teach to our kids. It looks something more like this. Hey, man, here's what God's calling us to. This is what it looks like, and he is willing to do a work in you. And I'm not asking you to make this up and muscle this yourself as you're talking to your kid, right? It's not about do this. It's about this is what we're looking for, for it to go like this, and God can change your soul. Then God works in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit work. I'm telling you, as we start teaching a dependence on our God, we start getting a freedom to rush towards righteousness, knowing he's doing the work. We don't muscle it ourselves. And all of God's people said, hear me now. Are you listening to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that leaves us in dire straits on our own, but with huge hope with Jesus Christ. Are you hearing his conviction? That's the first step in praying and laying hold of the Holy Spirit. Number two, follow. Follow the Holy Spirit's guidance. Follow the Holy Spirit's guidance. Jesus starts in verse 12 here. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I love that. As Jesus is looking at these deeply selfish guys, and he's like, all right, boys, 
there's actually a lot more to share. And uh, I'm not seeing enough strength here to even begin to bear it. The word bear literally means to put a pack on your back and walk with it. Like, like you're not going to be able to walk with the pack I have to share with you. And there's some things you need to know. And apparently now is not the time because you're not able to carry them yet. And he's like, I have many things to share with you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, everybody say, that's the Holy Spirit. Right? When the spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth. Please notice the word the. Okay? This is not all generic truth. That's not what it says. It says he will guide us into all the truth. What truth? Well, the very things that Christ just got done saying. You need to hear a lot of things. And you can't even bear them right now. But the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into that. And so we have a leader in front of us, the Holy Spirit. He cares for you. He knows you. He understands you. And he also knows the words that need to be shared to you from Christ and from the Father. And he's going to guide us into all truth. Literally, the Holy Spirit's job as helper is to lead you. Are you letting him lead? Are you listening? Are you listening to the word as you read through the word, as he reveals and illuminates? Are you letting the spirit guide through God's word? Are you letting the spirit even press into your soul and shape you in ways that you need to hear? Let him guide you. He's in charge. And all of God's people said, and this is a huge deal. All too often we start this walk of faith and we're like, all right, I got it. I read the word, I saw what it says, I'm going to go do it. And we just start trying to muscle it and force it. Please hear me. He is guiding and he's doing so much more as he heals and transforms. The Holy Spirit guides us into all the truth that we need to hear. It says, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And uh, the Holy Spirit, he will not speak on his own authority. Uh, the Holy Spirit, he is not going rogue, Right? He's not like, well, the Father wanted that said, but I'm not saying it. And uh, the Holy Spirit, he's saying exactly what you need to hear, exactly when you need to hear it. He is working with the Father and with the Son, and he is sharing out. He is your helper, and he absolutely knows exactly what you need. It says he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Uh, Father's will, and he sends the Son. Son now sends the Spirit. Watch the submission at play in the Godhead. How often do we as human beings stand up and say, I want to be made much of. And uh, dude, that's a bad plan. And uh, I'm just telling you, God has modeled for us a huge sacrifice. May we live that way and honor that way, just like he is. And uh, it says he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you all things that are to come. All the things that are to come. He knows what's coming. He's God. He knows what's coming in your life. He knows what you're going to need. He knows exactly how you need to be cared for. He knows. He knows exactly how to participate in your life to guide you into all the truth and lead you in this world. To be led by the Spirit, Romans chapter 8. What a huge calling. May we allow him to lead. May we follow the Spirit's guidance. And uh, 
I just wrote a couple of things down here. How does the Holy Spirit work in prayer? Four things. How does the Holy Spirit work in prayer? And uh, four things now. Number one, uh, he directs and motivates prayer. He directs and motivates prayer. John chapter 16, starting in verse 13. He directs and guides. He literally is providing for you opportunities to pray. He's revealing to you. I'm just telling you, he knows exactly what's going on. And there are times where he'll press in and he'll be shaping you to head towards praying for someone. There will be a moment where you're like, I don't know why, but I feel like I should be praying for this person. Man, take that moment to be praying for them. And uh, yesterday I ended up, uh, I was sitting at home doing some studying and, and uh, I texted my daughter, Alyssa, who is at Taylor. And uh, it's been there two weeks now, a little bit over two weeks. And uh, just texted her and said, hey, miss you, babe, love you. And uh, just shot her one text, that's it. And uh, she sent back, thanks, Dad, love you. And uh, was out playing some cards with friends on a Saturday and out in the quad. And, and she said, we're going back in now. And then it all went quiet. And uh, about two minutes later, she sent a text. I just found out um, that Nathan passed away. And there's uh, the, fam the Pennington family. Uh, we've got uh, a few of the Penningtons that come to harvest here. And uh, man, uh, this little boy, eight years old, who passed away. And uh, it's been a tough battle. And uh, uh, it's been a lot of load to carry. And it's been a hard number of weeks here up to the end. And I uh, passed away, and she got that message right as I somehow, for whatever reason, was sitting there and thought, I should just send Alyssa a text and say, I love you. And um, just hear me now. When you're getting that stir to pray for someone, pray. Man, stop in that moment. Make much of that. What's the Holy Spirit stirring right now? Okay? And uh, please be praying for the Pennington family. And uh, please be lifting them up. This is a hard week. This is going to be a hard year and a couple years going forward. And man, just be praying for them and lifting them up. May God do a mighty work. Man, make sure that as they come to your mind, you pray. Right? And uh, what's God stirring in your soul? Who is God stirring in your soul? I'm telling you first, in the Spirit's work in prayer, He directs and motivates us to pray. Number two, uh, he empowers prayer. He empowers prayer. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 23 to 25, if you want to write a passage down. The first one, by the way, John 16, 13, where it says he leads us into all truth. Um, this one, 1 Corinthians 14, 23 to 25, it talks about the word being preached and the truth being shared out and God being glorified and the unbeliever falls to his knees and cries out, surely God is among us. I'm just telling you, when we go to our God in prayer, when we make much of his name, he empowers that moment when we're in this room and the Holy Spirit starts moving in this place whether you're brought to tears or joy, whether you're standing up and raising hands or dropping to your knees, spirit moving, there is an empowerment as he works in our soul. God having a say in our lives. I'm telling you, as we pray, the Holy Spirit has something to say deep into your life. And a huge deal as he empowers prayer. And the third goes right along with it. He rewards prayer. 
and I'll just put this word with it, transforms. He rewards prayer. There is a transforming that occurs with it. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. Man, as we come to the Holy Spirit, as we bask in his glory, as we learn and celebrate of the greatness and character of God, as we pray to that end, thanking him, confessing our sin, the Holy Spirit pouring in, literally changing us, transforming us, comes right out of 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18, where it says, the glory of the Holy Spirit transforms us. Ready? One degree of glory at a time. Please make sure you grasp that, right? How often do we want to be like, and the Holy Spirit transforms me all at once. And then a day later, we're super frustrated about the lack of progress and one degree of glory at a time as we come to him. And I'll just say this about um, this transforming prayer, man. Remember the triangle where we talked about encounter, exalt, engage, and the passion of going after God with those three E's. If you weren't here with us back in January to March as we talked through it in the On Fire series, man, go back and listen to that series, January to March this year, and uh, 2016, uh, so a year ago. And uh, get to that and listen to that. Encounter, exalt, engage. I'm telling you, the exalting will rock your world. Thank you, God, for being who you are. Thank you for what I see in your word today. And please forgive me, I confess. Man, you are responding to the Holy Spirit pressing into your life and you are making much of your God. That exalting is life altering, all right? Make much of your king. And uh, there is transforming that comes in that. And uh, he directs and motivates, John 16, 13. He empowers, 1 Corinthians 14. He rewards, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. And then last, man, he's praying for you. Did you know that? Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, when you don't know what words to say, he's praying for you. When you are stuck, you have nothing else, you are devastated in the midst of it, Holy Spirit praying for you. When you are in that spot where you've got nothing but maybe a groaning or a crying out and that's all you have, God! That's all the Holy Spirit on your behalf groaning for you. He knows exactly what you need. He knows what's coming. He knows the Father's will and all that's going on. He steps in on your behalf and he says, do you see this little one? I stand on their behalf. This is their need. This is where they are. And the communion of God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, man, we can't even understand it, on your behalf. Don't ever take that lightly. The role of the Holy Spirit in prayer, he prays for you with passion and power. When you are too weak to even bring a word, he's got it. Let him lead. The Spirit's work in prayer. He directs and motivates, he empowers, he rewards, he prays for you. And I just wrote a couple quotes down from the Victorious Praying book. This is the book that our impact groups are going through. And uh, man, make sure you're reading through that book. And uh, here's one quote, page 54. He says, to learn to let God set the agenda of our prayer life will resurrect it. 
to learn to let God set the agenda of our prayer life will resurrect it. Handing it over to him and saying, Lord, how do you want me to pray? Lord, who do you want me to pray for? Lord, when do you want me praying for them? To learn to let God set the agenda of our prayer life will resurrect it. God in charge as you're now rushing to his side. And uh, here's another one, page 44. True spiritual fervency and compassion is a work of the Holy Spirit. True spiritual fervency and compassion is a work of the Holy Spirit. Man, hear me. Fervency is not something you fake. Fervency is not something that just looks good on the outside. Fervency, it starts deep within the soul and it spills out in our words and our actions and that only comes as we partner with the Holy Spirit. Let him work in your life. Let him rock you to the core. Man, may the Holy Spirit reveal to you righteousness that you're now going after, sin you're letting go of, direction that he's taking you, word that he wants you to hear. Let the Spirit rock your world. You on fire. Fervency. And that's the Holy Spirit invested into your life. All right? And, uh, okay. Back to Haiti for a little bit. So uh, as we landed in Haiti, we landed in Port-au-Prince, and um, uh, we've had probably about 160 to 180 people, I'm not sure the exact number, from here who have actually gone on short-term trips to Haiti over the last couple of years. And uh, sweet experiences, we get them over there. I'm just telling you, for those of you who have been there, you know what I'm talking about. You walk into the Port-au-Prince airport, and it's basically semi-managed chaos, right? As you walk in, you're not sure where to go. You're not sure what to get. People are going everywhere. Nobody speaks English well, really, at all. You got a lot of French and French Creole going on. You're trying to figure things out. There's a lot of people who, quite frankly, are trying to make a buck, so they're looking to lean in and get something from you, and you're trying to navigate your way through it. And uh, so as we walk out, and we're getting our suitcases, our luggage, and we're starting to come over, we end up... So here's the key. If you want to know how to get through the Port-au-Prince airport safely, the key is you bring Steve McGinnis with you. Right? That's the key. He's been there enough times, and he knows what's going on, and he knows how to navigate. And so as we're walking through it, all you do is get in line and follow him, man. He knows where he's going, right? And so we're now following close to Steve as he's walking us through, and all of a sudden there's a guy standing in front of us with a sign that says, Steve McGinnis, and he's holding it up. And we've already ordered for a little van to take us from the airport over to the place we're going to be staying. And so everything is set up. He goes up. He meets the guy. He talks with him for a second. The guy says, let me go introduce you to your driver. Brings him over. And it ends up being a guy now that Steve has known. Right? And so now we're all connected up. Looks good. We're on our way out. Now you have to run the gauntlet of getting to that van. And there's people from the airport edge all the way out to where the vans are who, quite frankly, want to carry your luggage for anywhere from a foot to 14 feet, and they want you to pay them for it, right? And so as you're walking along, carrying your luggage, rolling it along, I had a guy come over to me, and he puts his hand on my luggage, and he starts walking with me. <laughs> and he can't speak English at all. So all he knows is two words. He goes, let go. That's all he knows. I said, no, man, it's light, it's good, I got it, it's no big deal. And, and he goes, let go. That's all he knew. I'm like, yeah, I'm really not going to do it. Let go. And I'm like, let go of my luggage, right? And as we're walking along, I finally look up. I go, he's in charge. And now he goes up to Steve to deal with it. We get up there. We all kind of set our things in place. Now a whole crew of people 
fall down on us and all of them are like grabbing our luggage. It's gone from next to us and they're picking it up and going, which van do you want it on? And then they throw it on and then Steve very graciously tipped them to move them on to the next crew and covered it for us. I'm just telling you, the worst plan in the world would have been as we get off the plane for me and Steve Belzer to go, we're breaking out on our own. Going this way, right? I probably wouldn't be here today if that was the plan. And uh, the reality, you follow who knows where to go. Are you following the Holy Spirit? Are you following the one who knows what's coming, who knows the entire truth of God the Father and what needs to be revealed? Are you following his lead? Let him lead you in the word. Let him lead you in truth. Let him lead you in prayer as you make much of your God. All right? Huge deal as we let him lead. So follow well. Listen well. And then third one. Worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. It says here, he will glorify me. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus Christ. Who does the Holy Spirit glorify? Jesus Christ, okay? Make sure you get this. The Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. The Holy Spirit does not glorify himself. Everybody get that? The Holy Spirit glorifies who? Make sure you get that. And so why do we have a little bit of an issue with churches that decide to make huge deals out of Holy Spirit gifts and celebrating the Spirit and making much of the Spirit and, and trying to lift Him up because that's not what the Spirit's actually about, okay? Let's be super careful on that one, all right? The Holy Spirit is pointing to the Son, and I'm telling you, go through the Gospels, go through Acts, check it out. Anytime a sign gift comes rolling out, tongues or healing or whatever, right after it, someone trusts Christ and is saved. The Holy Spirit points to the Son. You need to believe in Him. That's where it goes. Our job, if we're listening to the Spirit, will be to make much of the Son. And all of God's people said, man, your prayer life, your life as you live it will be to make much of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is pointing at them and making much of them. May your life do the same. May you glorify Jesus in your words and in your actions, celebrating him with all you've got. It says, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is going to declare out to you what belongs to Jesus Christ. And then Jesus is super clear. He says, all that the Father has is mine. So remember, the Father owns everything. And it says, all the Father has is mine. In other words, everything everywhere is belonging to me now because the Father has given it a cross. The Father shared with the Son. And the Son now owns everything. And so all the truth that was the Father's is now the Son's truth. And the Holy Spirit is sharing that out on Jesus' behalf as he challenges us. Yes to our sin, yes to righteousness, yes to judgment, yes to believing in Jesus Christ and trusting him as your God, to your prayer life being on fire when you come before him to say these words, I believe that you are in charge. You are God Almighty. May your prayer life celebrate the greatness of Jesus, that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. You died on the cross. You rose again. 
You are seated at the right hand of the Father. I have hope because of you. You are my advocate on my behalf. You are coming again and you will reign eternal. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are to be worshipped in my life. Man, lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, he's pounding that in. Listen well. Jesus Christ is to be made much of. It says, Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Father owns it. He shared it with me. I've shared it with the Spirit. The Spirit's now sharing it with you. Godhead in our lives at work. And um, I'll just say this, man, as a closer. Consider this. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment, right? And our job is to glorify the Son. And yet, how often in our prayer do we storm the throne, telling God he's wrong, challenging him, convicting him, so we can glorify ourselves? We take the role of the Holy Spirit and we turn it upside down. While we try to convict God and glorify me, but the job is convict me and glorify the Son. And all of God's people said, man, as we come before him, our job is to recognize that. Here's one last quote from the book, page 43. Martin Luther cautioned us that prayer is not performance, but it is climbing up to the heart of God. Martin Luther cautioned us that prayer is not performance, but it is climbing up to the heart of God. Man, if somebody asks you, did you pray? Do not look to just check a box that says somehow I was on my knees or somehow I had my hands folded or my eyes closed or I whispered something. Prayer is so much more than that. It is climbing up into the lap of the king of the universe who knows everything, he can do anything, and he loves you with all he's got, and you're hearing from him. When someone asks you, did you pray, the answer goes like this. Yeah, I was rocked by God today like this. Yeah, he has revealed this to me today through his scripture like this. Yeah, God has shown me in a way that has been amazing to me. What? Are you hearing the relationship talking it? That's prayer. Climb up to the heart of God. Not some rote ritualistic prayer statements that we throw into the wind, but you are dealing with the one who knows what's coming. He knows what you need. He's guiding you into all truth. He has power in what he brings. He is moving and guiding the whole way. Trust in your God. And all of God's people said, let's laying hold of the Spirit. Let's pray.